Psalm 103. Today we're going to talk about one of the great benefits that you might not think about. It's who redeems your life from destruction. That's what God does. But as we do that and prepare to do that, I'd like a couple people to come up real quick. Um, Tana, are you in here? Would you come up real quick? And Kanita and Angela, why don't y'all come up real quick? I just want you guys to share real quick. Kanita, are you in here? There she is. Come on. Somebody bring a tissue because I know we're going to need a tissue. That's for me. (laughs) Y'all come up. And uh, I want you guys just to share real quick. Now, Kanita is Dylan's mom. Who's doing the talking? Probably me. Okay. Um, Kanita's a little shy in front of people, so you'd never guess it. Um, we've been friends with Kanita and Dylan and Tara for probably about three or four years, and um, we've spent a substantial amount of time with them. And um, Dylan had spent the night at our house last weekend, and um, well, earlier that week, I was over at their house, and I said, "Come on, Dylan, let's stand up and walk." And literally, this is what happened. His feet shuffled like this. That's not very far. That's inches. He took three or four steps, and he was too tired, and he wanted to lay down on the couch. Um, Raise your hand if you were here last week. That little boy that got up here last week that was healed, that God made his muscles stronger, is not the same boy that I saw three or four days before that. Um. Dylan wanted to walk out to the car. Well, first he wanted to walk up and and have Jesus to heal his muscles. And um, he understood you have to specifically ask God what you want. Um, And he did that. He asked for God to make his muscles stronger, and that's what God did, and we believe that 100%. Um, Facebook is kind of a hindrance to my life sometimes, but... um, there was something posted this week, and I reposted it, and I, I've never believed it more about healing than I did after I read it that time. Um, it said, don't go asking God to heal you all the time. Go believing God is healing you. And we believed that God was going to make Dylan's muscles stronger, and he's continuing to make his muscles stronger, and it's just so amazing that no, how could you deny God after you see God do that to that little boy? Amen. And he went home and he, or he walked out to the car and he said, Mommy, something's different in my muscles. I feel a change in my muscles. So that's pretty awesome. That's long story short. <laughs> you want to speak for me too? <laughs> I just wanted to give God some glory this morning. Um, I've been a diabetic for several years now, and ever since I've been expecting, I've been having some problems controlling my sugars and uh, just keeping things, you know, normal. So um, after a particularly bad doctor's appointment, they were going to jack up my medication. They said, um, you know, go ahead and anticipate getting on insulin. Things are, as your pregnancy progresses, it's going to get harder to control your, your sugars. And so um, I came home and I, I fell asleep for about an hour. And when I woke up, I took my sugars and they were 100 points lower than they have been like ever for the past few years. And I thought, well, wow, that's really cool. So as I continued to test and to, to go along, they just stayed low. They never came back up. And so um, I've had to stop taking my medication completely 
because if I didn't, well, I'd be like dead. So anyway, <laughs> no, <laughs> it would kind of defeat the purpose of the little miracle that God worked in my life. Um, and the second miracle that God worked for me um, this week was my doctor's office called me and said, the payment plan that we have you on uh, is way too high. We don't have health insurance, so we've been paying everything out of pocket. And they said, the payment plan that we have you on is too high. We want to reduce it. And they reduced it by an enormous amount. And they also said, we want to reduce your um, future charges by 50%, which was a, an enormous blessing, again, financially. So um, I just want to thank God for what he did for us. Amen. Amen. God's still doing stuff. God's not dead. He's alive. And he's just, the, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro for somebody that he can show himself powerful on their behalf. And when you go to God and you believe, God is going to move. He's good. And he loves you. Amen. He loves you. And I'm so excited to, to see what God, God's doing. And I know there are other testimonies that happened this week. But today we're going to talk about Psalm 103 verses 1 through 4. David wrote this psalm. He says in your notes, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Can I just say something real quick? If you're, if you're here today and you're not sure about this God thing, this sounds like a pretty good deal to me. You mean, if I come to God and I give him my life, he'll forgive all my iniquities? Check. You mean, if I come to God and give him all my life, he'll forgive, he'll heal all my diseases? Check. He'll redeem my life from destruction. He'll crown me with loving kindness. Who would not want to do that? And yet every day, people are actively choosing not to follow God. You know, that sounds great, Pastor, but, you know, honestly, I'd rather be miserable. <laughs> I'm comfortable being miserable. You know, miserable works for me. I mean, that's what we're doing. When we refuse to come to God, what we're doing is we're choosing pain. That doesn't make sense, does it? It's, it's comical, and yet so many of us do it in our lives. Well, I want you to know today that God is good. And I, I looked up this week when it said, who redeems your life from destruction. I wanted to look up the word redeem. And so I looked it up in the dictionary, and here's what it says. It's in your notes. Redeem means to buy back or repurchase. To get or win back. To free from what distresses or harms. To free from captivity by paying a ransom. To extricate from or help to overcome something detrimental. To release from blame or debt, to clear. To free from the consequences of sin. Not just sin itself, but the consequences of sin. To change for the better. Wow. That's what redeem means. So is it, wouldn't, it be enough, wouldn't it be enough of a reason to come to God if all he did was forgive your sins? Absolutely. I mean, wouldn't it be enough to go to God if all he did was heal all your diseases? Of course. But how amazing is it that he buys back our life from destruction? He buys back our life 
from destruction. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 6 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. If you're saved this morning, that means you're redeemed. You've been repurchased. You've been brought back, bought back. And so you're supposed to say so. So I want you to turn around. Everybody said so. <laughs> so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I think that's awesome. You've been redeemed. I don't know why it said say so. I guess it means to tell everybody you've been redeemed, but I think it sounds fun to say so. So, so that's what we did. <laughs> um, but I think it's awesome. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been bought back from God, you need to tell somebody. I've been redeemed. I have been redeemed. And also it says this, and they've been gathered from the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Listen to this. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Let me ask you a question today. How many of you have ever been lost? You ever been lost before? You know, the, the other day I went down to Baton Rouge, and the guys told me when I left, there are not very many signs in Memphis. Basically, you know you're in Memphis. That's all you know. <laughs> I mean, there's a highway sign that says you're there. And so I pulled in, and I missed my turn. And so instead of going 55 south down towards Louisiana, I was riding around beautiful downtown Memphis. <laughs> Boy, that was exciting. <laughs> You know, and, and so I was so excited to be able to get back on track, but the reality was I was lost. One of the things I learned as a pilot, my instructor always told me, he said, if you ever get into trouble and you're not sure where you are, do 180 degrees and turn back around to where you came from. Now, I didn't come all the way home, but I did go back to where I knew the last place was that I recognized, and then I got back on track. But I was lost, and it wasn't very much fun. Because I didn't recognize any landmarks. I didn't know what was going on. And the scripture is telling us right here about a people who are lost. They're wandering around in the desert, which is bad enough, but they couldn't find their way to a city. They didn't even know. They were so lost, they didn't even know which direction to go in. And then it says, not only that, they were hungry and they were thirsty. And then their soul fainted within them. Let me tell you something. It's kind of funny to be lost a little bit, but if you're ever out in the middle of a region you don't recognize and to be out in the wilderness and to be lost without any food and without any water, that's a serious situation, isn't it? That's a serious situation. But I want you to understand something. What we're seeing here is people that are lost spiritually. And, and here's the challenge. Geographically, it's easy to understand when you're lost. Now, guys, you may not admit you're lost, <laughs> but you know, you know when you're lost. Okay, and, and many of us in life are lost, but we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that we're lost. Where are you going in your life? I have no idea, but that's not what you say. You know, you, you think you know what you're doing. You think you know where you're going, but you're lost and you're empty on the inside. And you're looking for direction. We've all been there. Some of us today are there. But the reality is you're lost and you don't know what to do. You don't know which direction to go. And you're looking for a compass that will point you in the right direction. Well, I want you to understand something. We try different things when we're lost. And I'm talking about now lost spiritually. We try different things to try to fill up our lostness, to fill up our emptiness. We don't like being empty, so we got to fill it up with something. Some people try to fill it up with stuff or money. 
It's your blank there. Stuff or money. We're empty. We feel like we need something. So if we feel like we need something, we need to buy more stuff. Or we need more money. I need that promotion, and then I'll be happy. I need this or that, and then I'll be happy. I can promise you last night when the Rangers won the, the American League thing that they were won. I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> but the Rangers won last night, 15 to 5. I can promise you there are some guys out there making $20 million a year that are lost as a goose. And there are many of those guys that since they were this big, since they were this big, all they've ever wanted to do is win that championship. And some of them, I promise you, woke up this morning going, why am I still empty? Because I've been chasing this my whole life. And hopefully this week, today, the Cardinals will win. And then, go figure, the Rangers and the Cardinals are going to be in the World Series. You know, I was just thinking of all the two teams that have to come together, it's going to be, Clella's going to be on my back for the next two weeks about the Rangers and the Cardinals. And I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to tell you what I am going to pray, okay? I'll just let y'all work through that. But the reality is, those guys are looking for stuff, they've got money, and they're empty. And until you find God, you're lost. And stuff won't fill you up. If money and stuff filled you up, why are there so many millionaires that are miserable? Why are there so many millionaires that commit suicide? Why are there so many millionaires on drugs? Because the stuff and the money doesn't do it, and so they're looking for something else. So we got to stop chasing this stuff. The other thing that we try to do to fill things up, to help us when we're lost, is look for power and position. Look for power and position. You know, we feel like, well, if I can climb the ladder, if I can become department head, if I can become manager, if I can become captain, if I can become vice president, president, whatever the situation is, and we constantly are striving for more authority and more power, thinking that that will satisfy us. I have been there. It doesn't. All you get is more responsibility, and you're still lost. And you can climb that ladder, but once you get to the top, you look around and you think, well, is this it? Because if, if power and position were the things that made us not be lost, then why are there so many CEOs that get into trouble all the time? Because that's not the answer. Only Jesus can fill up that need. And then the last thing that we try to fill up when we're lost is relationships. We feel like we're miserable, so surely I need somebody to complete me in my life. And the Word tells us that husband and wife are to be helpmate. Okay, that we're supposed to help each other achieve what God's called us to do. And if you're looking for somebody else to complete you, to fill you up, to make you whole, that is not going to happen. You know, marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. And that's people coming together. And when God joins you together, then together you're more powerful than you are individually. But if you're trying to find your fulfillment in somebody else, it doesn't happen. If that were true, then why is the divorce rate so high? If that were true, what, you know, if, if it's all about relationship, no, it's not all about relationships. God's called us to be in healthy relationships with people, just like God's called us and blesses us with power and prosperity and all these other things. But the reason he gives us all those things, God's not against you having money. God's not against you having a bass boat. God's not against you having 400,000 pairs of shoes. 
and Christy. <laughs> I had to find you. But I looked at Trisha first, just so you know. It's all fair. But the reality is God's not against any of those things. But if that's where you find your fulfillment, see, what we learned in financial peace is when people get in financial troubles, they go out and spend more money to try to make themselves feel better, which only lasts for a little time. And it's the same way in relationships. Well, I need a new boyfriend or girlfriend. I need a new husband, wife, whatever. And you feel good only for a short time. And then you're empty again. Because until, y'all, here's the bottom line. I'm a bottom line kind of guy. Here's the bottom line. Until you find a relationship with Jesus, you will never, ever be whole. So I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help you. Here's the point. Until you find a true relationship with Jesus, you'll never be satisfied. So let's do that and skip all the other stuff. Because the reality is you don't have to do all those things to find fulfillment. Find fulfillment and then God will add you, add those things to you. God wants you to have money. God wants you to have a great relationship with people and a spouse. God wants all those things for you, but you need to get your heart right first. So today, stop running around in circles. Stop. You know what they teach us? When you're lost, you know what they tell you to do? What, somebody? Military guys, what do you do when you're lost? Go to the last point that you were, go to higher ground. But they tell you to not panic and run around like crazy. Stop. Look around, stop. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is out of John chapter 4, and it's the woman at the well. Now, this Samaritan woman... And this, this story so tells us about the heart of Jesus, the heart of God towards us. John chapter 4, Jesus was, um, had left Judea and he departed Galilee and he needed to go through Samaria. And he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. And there was a well there. And there was a woman of Samaria that came to draw water. At the six hours, around noon. And this lady was out there by herself drawing water. The reason she was out there by herself is that she was an outcast from the rest of the community. See, so she had been married five times and was actually living with the guy she was with now. So nobody else wanted to be around her. She was an outcast. So she comes to the well, and who's at the well? Jesus. Isn't that amazing? The people that we throw away... <laughs> are the people that God reaches out to. Now, what's cool is he's reaching out to all of us, but doesn't he seem to a lot of times go out of his way to reach people like that that everybody else throws out? You ever been thrown out before? You know, sometimes when you get thrown out, Jesus is standing out there. And I love the fact that he walks up to the well and he asks for water and they have this dialogue and they begin to converse and, and Jesus starts talking to her about living water and she doesn't get it. So Jesus does what Jesus does. And this is the thing I've learned about God. There's so many times I'll ask him a question and then he'll ask me one back. Because see, I'm asking him a question about something, but he wants to get to the point. And so she's asking questions. So Jesus says, why don't you go get your husband? Let's cut down to what's really going on in your life. And I'll tell you why I like this. Because there are people that will come up to me and they'll go, Pastor, let's talk about Revelation 3, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to talk about all this, that, and the other thing. And my thought usually is, how's your family doing? See, there's nothing wrong with studying out the deep things of Scripture. Absolutely, we want to do that. But let me tell you something. God's interested in your family. God's interested in your heart. God's interested in your job. God's interested in what's going on in here. And so Jesus gets down to the point with her and says, go get your husband. She said, I, I, you know, well, 
And he goes, guess what? You've had five and you're living with the guy now. Now she's ready to listen. Now she's ready to listen. I want you to understand something today. I love the fact that Dylan's moving around and walking. Praise God. I love the fact that Tan is healed of diabetes, and God's going to continue to do things. He's going to bless you financially. He's going to bless you in your families. God's going to continue to move. But let me tell you something. The bottom line with all of that is that God is trying to get us back into relationship with himself. Jesus died so that you could be free, so that one day you could go to heaven and be with him forever. And that's the bottom line. The bottom line is souls. The bottom line is changed lives. The bottom line is that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be free, so that you could be with him forever in heaven. And while you're here on earth, you get to enjoy life and you get to minister to people and lead other people to him. Because the truth is, one of these days, we're all going to die. You have an expiration date or the Lord's going to come back. Either way, you've got an expiration date. Somewhere on you is a tag. <laughs> like milk, you know. Somewhere on you is a tag. And God knows when that is. And one of these days, you're going to check out. And what's going to matter then is your relationship with God. And so we see Jesus as he talks to this woman. But here's what I want you to see that's so amazing. The woman said, sir, he said that. She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And Jesus said this, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now listen to this. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And what does Jesus say? Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Why is that a big deal? There are people, if you look through the scriptures, there are people constantly running around trying to talk to Jesus, said, tell us who you are, tell us who you are, tell us who you are. And then Jesus goes to somebody that's an outcast from everybody else and said, I'm the Messiah. Why? Because she mattered. You matter today. You absolutely matter. And you may feel like, trust me, it's hard to mess up as much as she did. She worked at it. I mean, this lady worked at messing up her life. She tried really, really hard. And God reached down in the middle of the mess that was her life, and he showed her that I am your Savior. That ought to be good news for all of us today. That ought to be good news for you today because that means no matter how bad you've messed up, he'll be sitting at the well waiting for you. And he's interested in your life and he is interested in your heart. But here's the deal. This woman had no purpose because if it was all about relationships, she was a pro. And if it was all about getting fulfillment in somebody else's life, then she should be fulfilled. And that wasn't the case. And that should be a lesson to us. It's not in relationships. It's in Jesus. If it's my mom, tell her I'll call her back. It's all right. <laughs> but the reality is he walked into that situation and he met the need. So we realize that fulfillment is only found in Jesus. Amen? Amen? But I have a question for you today. Number two on your notes. How do we get lost? How do we get lost? I mean, I don't think anybody wakes up one morning and said, you know what, I think I want to go get lost today. That sounds like fun. I mean, I didn't wake up the other day deciding I was going to go drive town and to Memphis and just drive around because I thought it'd be fun. You know, I didn't mean to get lost. Most of us don't mean to get lost. Here's how we get lost. 
Letter A, saying no to the plan of God for our lives. When you say no to God, you're going to get lost. And um, here's the reality. God gives us a plan. God give, I mean, if I would have been watching for signs, I would have seen the sign that said, turn right here. But I wasn't paying attention. Hello? And many times in our life, God is trying to direct us, and he directs us primarily through his word. And we end up getting lost and making bad decisions because, A, we don't know the truth, and so we're just guessing, or, B, we're ignoring the truth. I'll tell you about a time my brother and I ignored the truth. We, we, uh, my, my dad had, was a salesman at the time. I was young. I think I was in seventh grade. My brother was in, I guess, fifth grade. Maybe I was a little older, but anyway, we both, uh, we, we decided we were going to go skiing as a family. We'd never been skiing, and my dad was working in New Mexico, traveling over there, so we went to Red River Ski Resort, never been skiing in our lives, and so we get out there, and we obviously need to take lessons to ski, right? You got to take lessons, so my brother and I, and my mom, who y'all have met, my mom is a hoot, y'all, so my mom is going to take lessons with us, so we're out there, and we've been there literally like 15 minutes, and we're on the bunny slopes, and the bunny slopes is like a hill about this big, okay, and they're basically teaching you how to stop, and how to ride the little lift up, and there was this little lift, and we grabbed it, and we rode up, and we got off, well, my brother and I skied down to the rest of the class, and this is the gospel truth, I look up, and here comes my mom, <laughs> fast, and she's doing this, oh, 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 and everybody's yelling, snow plow, because that's how you slow down as you turn your skis in, did not happen. She's coming straight down, wiped out the entire class. <laughs> Ask her about it next time she's here. Here's what my brother and I do after 15 minutes of advanced ski lessons. We left. We left, and we went, and we got on the ski lift, and we went to the top of the mountain, okay? We don't know what we're doing, but it's all good. And so, because we just, and you know, it's funny to this day, we just left mom. I mean, she was just there late, and we're like, we don't know who she is. We're out of here. Somebody help the crazy lady. We're gone, you know. And so we're right up to the top of the mountain, and we're riding down. And, and we go down one time, and it was awesome. And so we decide we're going to go back up again. And it's getting late in the day. So we decide, all right, we're going to go one more time. So we ride up to the top, people everywhere. Well, if you've ever been to a ski resort, it's kind of like a highway. There's signs everywhere. This trail is this, and this trail is that. And don't go here, you'll break your neck. And, you know, all kinds of signs are everywhere. But my brother being my brother, decided, Chris, I got an idea. Let's go in the woods. And I said, man, I don't know. There's signs everywhere that say, don't get off the trail. And he's like, dude, how hard can this be? Let's go out in the woods. And so we go in the woods. He skis off in the woods and buries himself up to about right here. He's my little brother. I got to go help him. So now I'm buried up to right here. It took us forever to get unstuck. We're having to dig out, right? Because the skis are down there. I mean, y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So we're having to dig out. So we dig each other out. Well, it's getting later and later in the day. And then a blizzard started happening. No, I mean, it's crazy. You can't make this stuff up, okay? I mean, it's snowing like crazy, and there's nobody around. And we know it's getting close to getting dark. We finally get ourselves extricated out of the snow. I probably smacked him around a little bit because he needed it at this point. So anyway, we get out and we start going down the hill. And this is the gospel truth. 
<laughs> we, we rounded the corner where you could see the whole bottom of the ski resort. They call it a bowl or something. And there's one figure down at the bottom of the bowl. Nobody else anywhere. The reason there was nobody else around is the entire ski patrol was up on the mountain trying to find us because they thought we were going to die. So they were all up there. The only person at the bottom of the hill, you got it, was my mom. We had such a lovely time together after that. <laughs> but the reason we got lost is because we didn't follow the directions. And we were shocked that it didn't work out like we thought it would. And we do that in life. Well, I'm just going to do my own thing. I know God says this, but I'm just going to do my own thing. And certainly it'll turn out right. Train wreck. Why? Every time. It is only by the grace of God that we don't get squashed every day by doing stupid stuff. Most of the time, I mean, I've, I've said this so many times. I know the devil's at work in the world trying to mess people up. Most of the time he doesn't need to do anything. Most of us are capable of messing ourselves up. Anybody, can I hear an amen from somebody? Amen. Listen to this, Psalm 107, verse 10 and 11. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains. Why? Because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. In other words, when you turn your back on God, you're going to get lost. It's going to happen every time. And you may not think you're lost, but you are. And so when we say no to God's plan, we usually end up where we never thought we would be. And it is never good. Number three, here's the good news. We've been redeemed from bondage. We have been redeemed from bondage. Psalm 107 verse 14, this is the same group of scripture here. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death, and he broke their bands apart. He broke their bands apart. The visual image here is of chains being broken. God rescues us out of darkness in the shadow of death, and he breaks our bands apart. Here's the thing I love, one of the things I love so much about God. He doesn't keep this list of everything that you're doing wrong. And when you cry out to him, when you cry out to him, he will step into the situation no matter how messy it is, and he will break the bands apart. Everybody put your hands out front. Nobody knock your neighbor out. We don't have to pray for anybody. But I want you to break your bands apart. You're free. You're free. Listen to this. Psalm 107, verse 17, verse 19 through 20 also. Fools. Because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities were afflicted. <laughs> in other words, they were foolish and they got in trouble. But listen to this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. Man, that's good news. That is good news. That means if you've been an idiot... Okay, I'm just bottom lining it for you. If you've been an idiot, and if you cry out to God, and you really mean it, and here's the difference. I want you to understand something. We need to clarify something here. When you cry out to God for deliverance, not to keep you out of trouble. God, please don't let me get in trouble for stealing the cookies. I'm going to keep stealing cookies. But I just don't want to get caught. 
That's different than going, God, I don't want to be here anymore. God, I have made enough stupid decisions. It's that aha moment in your life when you wake up and you look around and you realize, I don't like this anymore. This bad relationship. This sin that I'm living in, whatever it is. Whatever it is, the addiction, whatever it is. And you realize that you're chained up. And it's not about getting caught anymore. It's about being free. And you realize that you are dead unless God does something. And when you cry out, he's right there. He is right there. That is good news. Anybody that cries out, he is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. Anybody that cries out. Number four, and I'm going to close. My Redeemer lives. God is still alive. We're seeing him do miracles. We're seeing him do different things. He lives. My Redeemer lives. 107, verse 23 through 27. This is going to be really good news for a handful of people in here because I know what you're going through. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again into the depths. In other words, they're just out having a day of business. They're just doing their thing. They're just tootling along in life. And all of a sudden, a storm hits. Some of you are in that today. Everything's going along, and all of a sudden, bam, there's a storm. Their soul melts because of the trouble. Have you ever been in a situation where you did not know what to do? And you just, you're done. You try to lift yourself up by your bootstraps and you realize you don't have any boots on. I mean, you're, it's tough and you don't know what to do. Your soul melts because of trouble. You reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. And this is what it says, and you're at your wit's end. You're at your wit's end. The reality is that sudden storms do break in. And I know many of you, some of you are right now, you're at your wit's end. You've done everything you know to do, and it's not working, and you're doing the best you absolutely can, and you don't know what to do. Listen to this. This is Job 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. Let me tell you something. Your Redeemer lives. And if you're at your wit's end, it is, I, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. It's actually good news. It's actually good news. Because the truth is, for most of us, until we're at our wit's end, we're not, not going to ask God for help. As long as we think we can handle it, we don't get God involved. Which is really not smart. But most of us do it. And it usually takes us to get to our wits end before we really cast ourselves on the Lord. But let me tell you something. When you get to the place where you're at the very end and you don't know what else to do and you say, God, I need your help. He's going to help you and he's going to jump in and he knows how to fix the problem. And what a great promise for us. Our Redeemer lives. And he redeems our life from the pit. So if you're in that situation today, he wants to get involved in your situation, and he knows how to fix it. You've just got to let him do it. Cry out to him. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, God. And I know I've messed these things up. I've made it abundantly clear in Scripture that if you mess things up and you call on him, he will help you. He's not going to condemn you. But you have to put yourself in that situation. You have to put yourself in that place where you say, God, 
I can't do this anymore. Help me. He specializes in that. That is awesome. That excites me because that means the quicker I get to the point where I realize I don't know what I'm doing, the better off I am. So if we'll all walk around like we don't know what we're doing and just trust God all the time, it'll probably go better instead of trying to fix everything yourself and messing it up. Now, God may use you to help fix the problem, but go to him early and say, God, I need your help. And he will be quick to help you. He will be quick to redeem you. He is predisposed to that because he loves you. Some of you are going through some real challenges right now. I get that. God is real. And the same God that healed Dylan and the same God that healed Tana is the same God that wants to reach into the mess that maybe some areas of your life are right now, and he wants to fix your problem. The question is, are you going to come to him? Or are you going to hold on to it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you are our redeemer. Lord, I thank you that you're our redeemer and that you live. I thank you, Father, that you don't hold things against us, that if we'll come to you, you'll let us hold on to it if we choose to. But if we'll come to you and we'll confess our sins, Lord, and if we'll lay our challenges at your feet, and if we'll give you the problems and the situations that we're facing and we'll let you have them, you will fix them, Lord. You'll fix them. What an amazing promise. But, Father, some of us are dealing with pride. We feel like we need to fix it ourselves. And yet that's an empty road. Some of us are trying to fill up our life. We're lost and we're trying to fill up our life with different things and it's a dead end and, and we know it in our heart. And Father, I, I pray today that you'd speak to those people that are dealing with that. Some of us, Lord, have never allowed Jesus to come into our lives. We're trying to run our own life and that's not working. And yet, Lord, I know that you love us so much and you show us these great promises. Father, I want, I want to speak about somebody special that's in here today, Lord. They don't see how you could love them. They think they've done too many bad things. They feel like they've messed up too many times. But just like the woman at the well, <laughs> you seek us out. You seek us out in our pain and you seek us out in our hurt and you're there even though we've messed up so much. You're there and you love us and you will take our lives and you'll make something amazing out of it. So Father, I pray today, no matter where everybody is in this situ their situations, that Lord, you would meet them at the exact point of their need. So if you're here today, nobody's looking around. This isn't to embarrass anybody. It's not about that. This is between you and God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't have Jesus on my, my side. I don't have Jesus in my life. I'm lost. I'm lost. But today I want to be found. If that's you, just get up and come down to the front and we're going to pray. Because you can be found today. This is your day. Or maybe you are a Christian. You're a believer. But you've been doing your own thing. And you're realizing these words are true. You're not fulfilled in your life. You're empty. If that's you, then you come down. We're going to rededicate your life today and get back on track. God's got a plan. He's going to put you back on track. Or maybe you're here today 
and you're facing some challenges in your life. There's some things going on. Physically, you've got some challenges, and you need God to heal you. Maybe you've got some relationship challenges going on, and you need to get God involved. Whatever the situation is, financial, physical, relational, whatever the challenge is, you need God's help because you know you can't fix it. He's here. He is here, and he can do something about the situation that you're facing. If that's you, then just come down to the front and say, Pastor, I just want some folks to agree with me today. If our prayer partners would come forward. And if you're here today, there is nothing to be embarrassed about. It's one of the safest places in the world to be today. We're not going to judge you. We're here for you. More importantly, Jesus is here for you. So if you've got something you want to pray about today, if you feel like you need to come down and we need to pray, let's just take a minute to do that. Come down and say, Pastor, that's me. I need somebody to agree with me in prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's just take a minute. Thank you, Lord. You know our needs. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's all stand this morning. Father, we thank you that you're God. And you see each one of our hearts. You know each one of our lives. Lord, you handcrafted us. We are handcrafted in your image. We are your masterpieces, every one of us. Lord, I pray today that you would touch our lives, that, Father, we would be quick to come to you. When we're facing challenges, we would be quick to come to you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move. Lord, you would draw each of us close to you. Lord, that you would make a way for us where there seems to be no way. Father, I speak a blessing over this church family. Lord, I pray that every area of their lives, everything they put their hands to, Lord, that you would touch them, that you would bless them. Meet their needs, Father. Lord, I pray for mended marriages. Lord, I pray for mended relationships. Lord, I speak financial blessing for those that need it today. Lord, I pray that you would draw us all close to you and that we would be a people who are known for our love for one another and our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, as we leave today, I want you to know that God loves you and he's got a plan for you. Some of you are are still waiting for that healing to come in your body. I'm believing with you. I'm believing with you. God's still working on diabetes. God's still moving and his timing is perfect. Amen. Amen. You are such an amazing group of folks. Pam? Okay. I just want everybody to know that if you're too proud to be found, don't be. After massive injuries and a tornado and abandonment, and a burnout and being homeless. One year ago today, I got my home and I'm found and I feel safe. There's been a lot of harassment, a lot of things have happened, but this is my safe haven. And if you're afraid to be found, don't be. That's all. That's good. That's good. Amen. Amen. I'm going to dismiss you today with a blessing. Father, I just thank you for these folks. I thank you for the found. And Lord, I thank you for the lost. 
I pray, Father, that you would draw folks in, that we would become the people that you've called us to be. Help us to be your hands and feet in our community. Lord, meet our needs in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you tonight. Uh, I did want to mention we will not have a board meeting tonight. So the board and trustees, we're going to meet next week. So you're free to watch the uh, Cardinals tonight.